0: Separate yourself from the rest and take your career to the next level with an online degree from St. Mary's University of Minnesota. Nationally ranked and fully accredited, our programs are student-centered with faculty that infuse practical career experience into their teaching and engage in their disciplines. Set your own schedule with our flexible online platform and access your coursework anywhere. With our selection of affordable online degree programs, promising career opportunities will follow. Explore what's next at St. Mary's University of Minnesota. From St. Mary's University of Minnesota, you're listening to St. Mary's Currents. I'm your host, Ben Rogers. On the last season of St. Mary's Currents, we discussed quite a few heavy topics. The war in Ukraine, inflation, and issues of mental health and suicide. For our first episode back, we wanted to start on a lighter note. In this episode, we welcome Paul Kotz, a core professor in the Education and Leadership Program. Along with being a professor at St. Mary's, Paul is a talented writer and excellent public speaker. We hope you will enjoy Paul's stories and positive outlook as we begin this next season. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're a phenomenal public speaker and storyteller, and I think our audience will really enjoy hearing from you. But Before we dive into the episode, can you tell our listeners a bit about
1: yourself and what you do at St. Mary's? Sure. Ben, thanks for having me here today, and you're generous in your introduction. I am currently a faculty member and advisor in the Doctorate in Leadership Program here at St. Mary's, and I teach organizational effectiveness, um, organizational development, Sometimes ethics and then statistics for research, but also get pulled in every so often to teach MBA courses and bachelor in public health. But, yeah, I'm a career educator and I love what I do. But, you know, that connection with the students has always drawn me to what I do in more depth and especially at St. Mary's, too, where, you know, teaching is our main focus. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. You know, as a part of St. Mary's Currents, uh, we discuss a lot of current issues, some of which can be kind of heavy. We've discussed topics that have been related to the pandemic. Uh, We've talked about teacher burnout and shortages, uh, the war in Ukraine, and most recently, we discussed inflation. As I was preparing for this discussion, you know, I was looking at some of the books you've written, and a lot of them have to do with finding happiness, finding inspiration, and just finding that positive outlook on life when you look at what's going on around, again, you know, some just heavy things, how do you find yourself doing that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I definitely have some friends that think that I might be a little insane to see some of the positivity in our world with, as you just mentioned, Ben, some of the things that are going on. You know, I even see like, you know, these fluctuating displays of what many people may view as bad behavior. Um, You know, as you mentioned, you know, we've had, you know, Ukraine and Russia, At war, We've had systemic issues. We've had um, issues where, you know, we're just trying to come together as a nation and we're not really sure where our rudder is right now. And so what I try to do is if I see something really positive, like I work with the veterans. I've been doing that for almost, this will be my ninth year. And on Wednesday mornings, um, I go in and I just push these wheelchairs. But the deal is I was brought in to um, work with physical therapy. And recreation therapy. And the idea was um, to bring the veterans after they have their workout back to their rooms. And uh, the stories they tell and the hardships they went through, yet in the face of adversity, they still maintain a sense of positivity. I mean, I had one guy who had a bullet stuck in his hip and they couldn't remove it. And so he continues to be in pain and sometimes he can be a little irritable. But at the same time, um, he's always emphasizing some positive pieces of his life and I gain from that. So then what I do is I write about it and I enjoy that. And it, it helps me stay healthy too. Because you said there's a lot of adversity and, and tough things happening in our world. But yeah, I... I choose to use that positive lens.
0: You've formed your outlook and and how you kind of approach positivity in life from a lot of the interactions that you've had. Uh, And you've written a lot about those and you've shared them on the radio show, Our American Stories, out of Oxford, Mississippi. Would you mind maybe sharing a story or two with our listeners today? Mm -hmm. And kind of how those interactions have impacted you and
1: and your outlook? Yeah, I'd be glad to, Ben. You know, sometimes We never know what we have reserved for us each day. I was putting some gas in my Jeep, and I went inside a speedway on Lexington Avenue in St. Paul to pick up a coffee at like 6 p.m. Maybe I shouldn't get coffee this late in the evening for a medley of reasons, but as I was putting the lid on this Styrofoam cup, a young guy comes in on a bike, places it in the corner of the store, and then he beelines toward me. And I was a little taken aback because I wasn't sure what this was going to be about. And he says, you ever have your wife lock you out on her phone after you call her and tell you not to return? He seemed really exasperated. Knowing I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, they said, well, slow down there, young guy. I'm not sure I can help you. Let me put the lid on this and we can talk outside. And he didn't seem to have the patience. He continued She said, I cannot talk to you now, go away. He was obviously hurt. I would be too, and I said, you know, that's hard, man. And I paused and then I said, if I may ask, how old are you? And he says, I'm 23 and I also have four kids. I said, well, first of all, you're a stand-up guy for being in a relationship with four kids. Did you have all the four kids together? He says, no, one is ours, the other three are hers. I said, wow, you have a lot on your plate. And I paused for some more context. Sometimes I told him you have to give a person their space. He says, well, that's why I got on my bike and came here. And I said, it's not a bad first step. Plus you can get a snack here in the convenience store. And he didn't really laugh at my attempt to lighten the situation. I said, you know, I do the same sometimes. That's why I come here for a coffee. And I said, hey, do you love her? He says, yes, I do. And he said well sorry to ask you this but does she love you and he shrugged and i said i bet she does she just has some tough stuff going on i do not have all the answers i told him but give her time i think she needs you he says okay well here's my cell if you need to follow up a lot of people would think i'd be ludicrous to do that but i felt at that moment i needed to be present I gave him my card and I said, thanks for reaching out. That takes courage to ask someone getting coffee. And he smiled, kind of a half smile. Well, I might just take your advice. And at that moment, I said to myself, thank you God for that encounter. I share this story with you, Ben, because people are in such need in this world. And many of us do not reach out. And as one prime example of a guy who has been brought up to stuff feelings, I've been taught not to be vulnerable. Paraphrasing the theme, solve your own problems like a man, don't cry and deal with it. That's resonated in my head, and I've evolved gradually with time. So those kind of things transform me. They're small, but sometimes it's better to just walk with your head down and avoid it. Sometimes it's just better to be present. And that's what I've been trying to do with, I want to say, the last 20 years of my life.
0: Do you think that people stop and and think about those small moments enough and try to learn from them in a way that you kind of did with this?
1: Yes, people do. But I think, as we all know, we get so busy. We get inundated in our own problems and things that we have to take care of in our ordinary days that sometimes we just don't take that time to reflect. This one, I didn't even get the chance. The guy beeline toward me. Right with it, you know, and he just rode in on his bike. You know, most people park their bikes outside the speedway. He put he came right in and he seemed like he had to talk to someone. I just happened to be in his line of sight.
0: Right? Did you ever hear back from him?
1: No. no. I did not. And that's the funny thing that uh you know, follow up with people may not be as easy because we're on to our next things, but that wasn't my intention anyway, you know. I hope, you know, he flies and ends up, you know, If it was the relationship he was trying to repair or finding himself, that was important.
0: Right. But what you took from that was just being present in the moment?
1: Yeah. I've learned that, you know, you have to tackle the hard work of the world without hesitation. And I share with you and the listeners that, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I didn't have time to think about that. But, you know, I feel like I've got a responsibility. You take your experiences and you can help others. You can't give them the answers because everybody has their own journey. But you can provide that sense of hope, you know, and maybe insight where, you know, I say, hey, I've screwed up in this area. You may not want to do that. Or maybe consider doing this. (laughs) But that's how I approach it.
0: We'll be right back in a minute. At St. Mary's University of Minnesota, our student success is at the heart of all we do. If you're ready to grow, to get an education that's future ready, and to go beyond making a living to making a life, St. Mary's is ready for you. Just like Emmy Johnson, Vice President and Chief Security Officer at Alina Health.
1: I made the decision to go to St. Mary's for a plethora of reasons. One, I wanted to be able to see myself in the community as being a student. And the idea of going to a large university where thousands and thousands and thousands of people went to campus was a bit overwhelming to me. And so when I made the decision to go to St. Mary's, I wanted to be able to step in and be a part of the community. And the faculty, my fellow students welcomed me and I felt a sense of belonging right away, right as I began my undergraduate degree. The world will change
0: for the better because of you. To learn more about St. Mary's University of Minnesota and start your journey, Learn more at smumn.edu.
1: I was a volunteer in Kansas City, Missouri for a three month stint. It was my turn to wash windows at this family center. I would put this soapy water in a bucket, fill it, rinse it out, and then use a squeegee to make the windows glisten. It was a beautiful sunny Tuesday morning and a man yelled at me from across the street. I you. But I turned around and there was this guy waving at me from the dumpster, in plain sight. He had this salt and pepper beard and he motioned for me to come over. I'd never seen anything like it. I dropped my cleaning supplies and I ventured across the street to see the man. And he says, got the time? He's asking me this from this metal container. He told me his name was Joe. He says, do you smoke? I thought of my dad, who on occasion used to put away one to two packs a day of L&Ms. I said, no, but I used to have a puff and blow rings in the air. I thought back to my dad, who had an air of confidence when he puffed away, and many times driving a Thunderbird in a convertible top down, and listening to his 50s and 60s music. But in this case, Joe was smoking, and with deep puffs, exhaling through his nose like with a purpose. His expression didn't really change, but the wrinkles around his eyes kind of exuded this wear and tear, as well as his ability to smile. He says to me, I have to make sure I get my stuff out of here before they throw me away. And that's why I remember it was on Tuesday, because Tuesday was the day they unloaded the trash. And he laughed about it. This was his daily survival routine. Each Tuesday morning, early, the trash compactor would come, hoist the industrial steel dumpster into the air and empty the garbage and refuse from the past week. And I thought about what we again take for granted in this great country and how this type of life still exists. But to Joe, it was no major problem. He played the cards he was dealt. The restaurant bar owner would throw empty bottles and trash and fill the dumpster most of the way, but Joe would time it perfectly. He had this rickety blanket, two small kid-sized chairs and this makeshift table. He would wait for the trash truck to pick up the refuse and then he proceeded to put his chairs and table back in for another week's worth of living. In today's world, I don't think a store owner or shopkeeper would want to allow somebody living in the dumpster but he was doing this for a considerable period of time. He got to know me because my job of cleaning windows was kind of a regular deal. He says, you want to play some cards? I was kind of mesmerized by this man. He seemed to just go about his business of living the streets so effortlessly, but this was a home to him, a place of comfort, protection, and possible peril if he forgot to wake up on a Tuesday. He says, yeah, once I had a close call, but people check on me to make sure I get out in time. And he hopped back in the dumpster, arranged the chairs and table, and then so did I. We played part of a game of cribbage with pegs of popcorn kernels, and he asked me if I wanted a banana. And he pulled out what seemed like a fresh fruit, unpeeled it, and we each had a half. Here was this guy who barely had a place to live, sharing what he had with me. His new card-playing buddy. For me, this was a moment of grace in my life. I thought about what I would do if this were me and how I would cope. Would I be playing cribbage? <laughs> Drinking to avoid the pain? Or maybe dead because I didn't have the stamina or the resourcefulness of this guy named Joe. So, For me, I will never forget that generosity of the man he offered, a temporary home, part of his sustenance, that banana. And then he has this daily appreciation of just living in the moment.
0: That's a wonderful story, Paul. Thank you so much for taking the time to share it with myself and the listeners. Uh, Not a problem. I want to go back to something we kind of talked about earlier, and that's kind of the heaviness of the times. I know you mentioned sometimes your friends look at you like you're crazy because of your positivity. And, you know, sometimes I feel like there's a belief that if you aren't approaching the moment in a serious manner, you know, be it the pandemic or the uprisings that followed the murder of George Floyd or the war in Ukraine, if you're positive during moments like those, you know, you might be seen as maybe you're not caring about what's going
1: on. Do you think there's a way to kind of strike a balance between those two things? Mm -hmm. You're right. I mean, you have to have that happy medium between, well, what is reality? and keeping your chin up and that sense of positivity. But to your point Ben, I think in our society we're sometimes lacking empathy to be in another person's shoes and I'm trying to be more conscious of doing that versus just being that human doing versus a human being. Some people think these are too soft of skills, empathy, being compassionate. Um as we all know we've had to be flexible and that has that is definitely a modern leadership trait that we need um to be able to adapt to change you know sometimes you know on a moment's notice um there's this code word out there of being mindful, but yeah, being, being able to, um, not just be present in the moment, but say, well, consciously, is this a good decision? And, you know, am I going to do something that's going to hurt somebody else? I'm going to do something that's going to maybe transform them in a transformational leadership way, or am I just going through my transactions daily life, day in, day out? So, Forward thinking and dedication, those all fit into modern leadership traits. But I think that empathy, compassion, and the flexibility have been so vital. I think for us as people, sometimes, you know, if somebody disagrees with you, some people just walk away. And for me, I've learned, well, you know, they may not be willing to listen to what I have to say, but I like to take that time to hear where they're at. And when you do make that space, sometimes they'll trust what you have to say. Not always, but it's something I've been trying to emphasize too.
0: All right, I like that. So kind of back to what you mentioned there, having an impact on people and also kind of back to the Lasallian charism, you know, a big part of our mission at St. Mary's is to form students who can go out and be leaders in their community. How do you use that in your leadership courses here at St. Mary's to help form
1: students to be leaders in our our community? Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, it goes back to some of those characteristics of keeping that empathy alive and knowing that, you know, you have to be able to give some direction and some content knowledge that students will relate to that make them want to come back to the St. Mary's environment. But there was a lady by the name of Anna Taylor, and she said, some people arrive and make a beautiful impact on your life, and you can barely remember what life was like without them. And I'm always thankful when I'm working with students that I get a chance to have that dialogue and help them build skills in a leadership context, but it varies depending on their skill set, their own backgrounds, but they share with one another. So, a police officer and an activist in the same classroom, an administrator in a high school and a teacher, they may have different outlooks on what leadership truly is, but that dialogue they have is really, I think, essential to growth. And I learned from them as well. I've also found, especially in the pandemic, when someone's in true pain and you do see it, not just in universities, you see it in daily life, and you can't help them, it's an awful, uncomfortable feeling. When someone's struggling with addiction, we often want to try to fix it, only to realize we can't stand um, helplessly on the sidelines and witnessing a train wreck unfold before our eyes. I think, you know, the isolation, the stress load on people was kind of immense. And I think that compelled myself, along with others that I've worked with in our department, to really say, you know, how can we keep our students afloat so that they feel actualized and elevated to do the work they're meant to do? And so maybe you notice somebody, even in the leadership program, who lacks confidence, but you see that abundance of their talent and the heart they possess. You let them know in no uncertain terms that they've got what it takes and they can accomplish their goals. And you have to reinforce that value of that person. Sometimes, you know, we even struggle as educators to keep that energy and value alive. But again, it's a responsibility that I love and enjoy. And seeing people grow is one of the greatest gifts you can ever be given. So when we see people walk across the stage at St. Mary's in graduation, and you clap for them, and you just see them fly to their next journey or adventure, there's nothing better.
0: Well, Paul, Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time.
0: St. Mary's Currents is a production of the St. Mary's University of Minnesota Office of Marketing and Communication. It is produced by Ben Rogers and Deb Nairgang. It is recorded, edited, and engineered by Jeffrey DeMarsh. Our theme music is written by Will van de Kromert. I'm Ben Rogers. We'll see you next time for St. Mary's Currents.